0: Welcome to the Divorced But Never Defeated podcast. I'm Divorced Dad.
1: I'm Divorced Mom.
0: Divorce sucks.
1: But you're not alone.
0: And there is hope. Welcome to the first episode of Divorced But Never Defeated. I'm Divorced Dad.
1: And I'm Divorced
0: Mom. And we're going to take you on the journey of our divorces. And hopefully our journey will help you a bit with whatever you're going through. The point of this podcast is number one, I think, because we needed the catharsis we needed a place and a venue to process. And then I don't know, I think we we really want to educate people, right? Yes. And I think that if we had somebody talking to us the way I hope that we can speak into the people out there, that we would have not experienced a lot of the hardships that we've we made some of the
1: mistakes we made along the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: and we would have avoided mistakes, and and then I don't want people to feel alone because I've until I met you, I felt so alone. So did I. And so hopefully, listening to this will maybe bring people together, or at least make people realize that there's a lot. Of us out there experiencing similar things in divorce, not just a lot of people divorcing, but we're talking about some pretty specific experiences yes. that we're having. And then I, oh, I hate admitting this, mm-hmm. but I want justice. I want my story out there because it is not fair what's been said about me, the things that have been done. It's just not fair, darn it! And right. so I want justice. And that's a piece of this. It's not a big piece of this, but it's a small piece of this. And
1: that's okay. Yeah.
0: And while we take people along on this divorce journey, they're also going to be experiencing our journey of being in a relationship because we are being kind of crazy, we're starting a podcast. So this podcast may be very short if I mess this relationship (laughs) up, but we're in the beginning of our relationship. And part of why we've connected is going through this divorce process and having each other to be with through some really difficult times already. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes, because they're on the journey of our relationship. Mm. Yes. If you ask our exes, it's a terrible idea, right. but yeah. I think today we should maybe just start out by talking a little bit about the beginning.
1: The beginning of the end.
0: The beginning of the end of our, you know, the beginning of our divorces. And so do you want to start or do you want me to?
1: Go ahead, divorce dad.
0: Okay. So, what's interesting about my beginning is it's changed for me. I at first thought the beginning was the day that she told me she wanted to divorce me. I realized it all started quite a bit before that. And I realized now that there was something going on. As soon as I had a kid, my amazing daughter, my ex, became shifted. And a lot of people that I've told this to say, "Oh, did she have postpartum depression and it was not postpartum depression and now I know and and i'm I'm thankful that I know that there are other men out there who have experienced what I've experienced, and that's my wife had our daughter and then changed now some of the issues. We're kind of there before, but it completely changed when we had a, a child and it, she was happier than ever. However, she became incredibly controlling, kind of mean and protective. She didn't want me to be a part of the parenting process. And it was hard because the only people that experienced the change was me and actually my parents, not even my brothers and their families, but it was really just me and my parents who were The most prevalent in terms of helping with my daughter. And so when I, when I look back on my beginning, that was where I should have, I I feel like I should have recognized that there was some serious trouble. And I, in my head, I just thought it was going to pass. Mm. And so I didn't. I didn't realize I was devastated the day that she told me that she wanted a divorce because I wasn't. That wasn't even on my radar. I just figured, hey, it's hard having a kid. This is something we got to deal with. That's therapist flows of relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm a therapist for heaven's sake. I'm going, hey, therapy can fix anything. Let's just mm-hmm. make sure we follow through with therapy. And then the other, I think, the beginning of my story that was really hard was. I found out that she was campaigning against me for quite some time. And I found out only because of certain circumstances. And so I didn't realize, but for a very long time, ever since Allie was born, she had started campaigning against me and kind of not telling the truth about me to people and building me up to be this, this bad person. And I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue, but in mine was a shock. Basically. Two days before she gave me the divorce, she told me, I thought things were good. We actually had sex, which never happened. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, man, we're on the up and up. And then two days later, she lies to me about going somewhere. And I thought she was going to be at home sleeping. I couldn't find her. She walks in. I asked where she was. And basically, there's a lot more of the story. But basically, she said, we're done. I don't want to be divorced. And I was just thrown for a loop. I had no clue mm. that day. She, and, and so that... Is a story in and of itself. But that day when she said she wanted a divorce, I had no clue. And she already had a group of people that she had been talking to been about
1: divorce. Before.
0: She had been planning for it. And mm-hmm. it, it quite frankly, it ruined me for a moment. It devastated me. I reasonably so. I had no clue. Absolutely no clue. What that's the very short version of my beginning. Right.
1: Yeah. So my story kind of starts with me doing the blindsiding because of the nature of my marriage. My marriage was very physically, emotionally, sexually, and financially abusive. And I had hidden everything that he had ever done to me for so long and I protected his image and his reputation to our group of friends to our families nobody knew anything so my process of divorce actually started a couple of years before we filed in therapy for me realizing that because there was abuse I had to make a plan and my plan was going to take a while.
0: So it was the therapist that had to inform you that you were being abused, or did you already So you
1: I knew that I was being physically and emotionally abused. I then started kind of discussing a few more matters with her, and she would inform me, Yep, that's sexual abuse, yep, well, that's financial abuse. And like being kind of stuck in my hole for so long and not talking to anybody about what was going on inside of my marriage, I wasn't really thinking yeah. about those things as abuse.
0: Now, what's interesting is I was accused of, for instance, you said the financial abuse. I was told by her that I was financially abusing her. And I'm thinking how, how I remember we, we went to this therapist and she Mm -hmm. tried to convince the therapist that I was controlling with money. And the therapist asked how, and I said, I don't know how she has access to all the accounts. She has Mm -hmm. the credit cards in her name Mm -hmm. and she's spending anywhere from $10,000 to $26,000 that month on stuff. Mm -hmm. And the most I would say is, Hey, we really need to cool it on the money. spending." And so what she came up with was that I didn't let her see that. I didn't sit her down. I want to make sure I get this correctly. Didn't sit her down and make sure she understood the finances coming out of my business into our accounts. Hmm. And that she thought that I was actually hiding money or something. And, and I'm going, you don't even pay the bills. You won't even pay the bills. And I really, we had had some conflicts, some arguments because I wanted her. I was so busy. I wanted her Mm -hmm. to take that over and she refused. And so it's interesting to hear you talk about that because I think as you and I have grown to know each other, the things that were happening to you, it's almost like my ex picked up a book of your life and they just (laughs) threw it at me and decided, uh, I'm going to pretend like that's you.
1: Right. Yes. And we can talk a little bit more about that and how certain personality types absorb Mm -hmm. other people's stories and let that become part of their lives. But yeah, so my beginning started a long time before the divorce proceedings even began. And that was for the safety of my four children. That was for the safety of myself. Mm -hmm. There was so much that had to go into planning to leave an abusive marriage.
0: Wow. And that time, just that preparation while having, I don't know why I'm having this up, but I'm just thinking about how hard that would have been to have to make that preparation for two years while raising your children, basically by yourself, while going to functions, pretending things are okay, while then even experience because i know your story you i mean you know you got to leave but you're still experiencing abuse and yeah. then people don't get it either do they that you sometimes the people that you think are going to understand and support yes totally don't
1: they don't it's yeah. that cognitive dissonance they've mm, heard one story word. for so long that it's so hard for them yeah. to believe anything else
0: yeah i think for you it's because you protected him for yeah. me the issue with people instantly taking her side is that people, she is meek. People see her as just this very small, slight, very meek, soft-spoken girl. And I'm very outgoing. I am 280 pounds. I need Mm -hmm. to get down to 230, but I'm 280 pounds. I speak at events. I so nobody could imagine I'm very assertive. So mm-hmm. I don't think anybody could possibly imagine in their wildest dreams that at home, even while I was assertive, I was being, everything was controlled by her. And and quite right. frankly, she was controlling everything by hopes that I might have sex, by hopes that she might treat me well, by right. just mm-hmm. wanting that attention and to be, I, I remember wanting so desperately, I, I didn't care if anybody else you know thought I was doing a great job with my company or if anybody else thought I was great I my, my wife thought I was a loser and I knew that mm, even awesome as I was game. even as I was building this company that helps kids in the system that you know so I'm, I'm this therapist building this company and I'd feel really good and then I would come home and feel terrible but the way she controlled In the home, I don't think anybody could have imagined that from her. So for you, you protected him. You kept his story going because that's what happens in abusive relationships. For me, it just doesn't make sense when you look at our personalities.
1: Right.
0: You know, and so. It's
1: like she capitalized on that.
0: Right. And she's still (laughs) capitalizing on that. You know, when I think about the beginning of my story, there's so much. I can literally talk for two days straight. At least. <laughs> At least. There's so many things from her locking our fridge with a bike lock because oh, I fell, fed my daughter her noodles and I didn't realize it. And, you know, I mean, there's just some wild stuff that's yes. gone down and I, I wish we could cover it all. But I, I think that a really important piece that's going to help people not just be cathartic for us, but help people is maybe understanding the steps that we took once we accepted it. Right. Right.
1: acknowledgement that, that yeah. we are getting a divorce. Yeah, this
0: is happening. And, and yours happened two years before. But I mean, when you decided to pull the trigger, and then yeah. when I decided to accept, okay, this is happening. For me, I had to accept it after several months of begging her to go to therapy. Right. And then she actually ended up, that's a long story too, she actually ended up, not liking the therapist and getting in an argument with the therapist yes, over <laughs> stuff. But anyways, that was the moment the therapist actually told me, you really need to get yourself a lawyer, Brandon. Mm-hmm. And so I can remember calling my lawyer and saying, I don't want a divorce. It is sounds like it's going to happen, but I think that we can save it can you do mediation? And then she said, well, tell me more. You need to tell me the story. I told her a story and she said, Brandon, you're getting a divorce. I said, well, I know, but, and so I was still in kind of denial. And I remember her basically telling me that she would act as though we were going to do mediation, but she really wanted me to understand that we needed to do some things. And that's where I made my first mistakes, I think, is I didn't go into protection mode soon enough. I didn't, I, I, I was begging her back. Right. And I quite frankly I look back on that part of it and I feel like a fool.
1: I think yeah, I think it's really important for us to talk about the ways that we protect ourselves through the beginning processes of divorce because there are a lot of mistakes that are made with you the hopefulness that yeah. you held on to yeah. the borderline like desperation to keep your family together which is so in- understandable yeah. and you know, for those who potentially are being abused, you know, to be able to protect yourself and for your safety.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is the safety. And, and in, I think for women who have been abused, just in hearing your story and in my practice, I've, I've worked with a lot of women who are yeah. abused. I mean, I, we have a, a group that's hmm. support group for that. And what I've gathered is there's this almost innocence. There's this, that, that, desire to protect them goes away, but it doesn't go away totally. Right, Mm -hmm. And then I think a lot of women that have truly been abused, I've worked with, they have this guilt factor Mm -hmm. and their guilt makes them almost not pull the trigger fast enough or it makes them not fight for the money that they really need for their children or it makes them make things harder on themselves instead of standing up for themselves even because they've now stood up there for themselves in a way that they've never stood up for themselves. And so anything else feels, and I hear this word often, selfish. I've heard you say it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll go, Wait, why aren't you fighting for that? Well, I feel selfish. And in my head, I'm going, but that's that's not selfish. That's necessary, babe.
1: And I think like what's so hard for other people to understand who have not experienced abusive relationships is that when you are leaving that environment, your number one thought, your number one goal is safety. How can I be yeah. safe? How can I live a life and be in a safe place, keep my kids safe? That your bar is set so low yeah. for expectations. Yes. Yeah. You're literally trying to survive.
0: And so, and sometimes I see that you're not just willing trying to survive. I see that you're just trying to enjoy the moment in front of you. And this might be a gender issue, males, females, but I think as a guy and as, or at least as in, with my personality, I'm always thinking, trying to think now 10 steps ahead. I don't want to be bamboozled again. I don't want to be taken advantage of. And then I, I'm falling for you. So I don't want you to be taken. And so I'm going, okay, but here, you got to think about this and this and this and you're going, Hey, can we just look at where we're at right now. Can we just enjoy this drink together? Totally true. And I'm going, yeah, but, 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 but yeah, but, but you, you don't understand. You've got to call, just text your lawyer right now and, and do this and say this in your, I will. I will. And so that's been a really big lesson for me is, that <laughs> it is to slow down. But I think, I hope I'm not being arrogant. I think what I've helped you do is pushed you To figure out when you do need to ramp it up and fight for yourself. I
1: think that we have brought some balance to each other's lives. Yeah. In some really good ways where I am lacking, you have really filled in some gaps for me. Yeah. And helped me to grow in those areas. And I think where you are lacking, I've kind of helped you as well.
0: Mm, You've helped me a lot. (laughs) And... There's no way I'd be where I'm at right now. And we haven't even been in each other's lives. I don't even know how long we met on Bubble. Four months. We've been together for four months. Let's say four <laughs> months. But we met on Bumble. And i that was funny because you're going, I've got four kids and tried to scare me off. I
1: totally did. <laughs> I was like scared
0: off for about 30 seconds. <laughs> and, but I, I do believe God's brought us together for a reason. And yes, we are. Right now in our lives, that yin and yang and kind of helping Mm -hmm. people. But
1: uh, let's get back to talking about the lawyers, the beginning process of the lawyers. I want to hear a little bit more about how you were starting your lawyer process, because our experiences are both so different. So tell me more about
0: Okay, So when I got my lawyer, I instantly felt a connection to her. I instantly felt like she cared. And now, don't get me wrong, I knew she was a ton of money per hour, (laughs) but she from the very beginning, she was very honest with me. And she kept telling me, hey, yes, that is something we can fight for. Brandon, no, that's not right. You know, so she kept me in check. She never let me have unrealistic expectations. And on the other side, I noticed that my ex's lawyer was a pit bull and just would throw anything against the wall, spend tons of money. My My lawyer actually ghosted me sometimes. And she would not talk to me. And, but she did explain it one day. So I'm okay with it now. She said, Brandon, when you're asking something I can't do anything about, when the conversation isn't going to go anywhere or help you, I ignore you because I don't want to charge you the money. And so that transparency and that openness really made me respect her. It made me feel safe. It has been amazing. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. You have been important in this process. My parents and my family mm-hmm. have been important in this process. But the single most important person in this process so far, other than my, the love of my daughter, has been my lawyer. And I have a relationship, a friendship. I trust Long-term
1: her. Long term relationship. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I plan on inviting her to birthday parties someday, but <laughs> she's a good person, though. She's moral. Her value's right. She's not a pit bull. She's worth every penny. She does not skimp, but she also doesn't overcharge or run up the bill. And so she has, and here's the other piece of it. She's very detail oriented Love that. and her support staff treat me with respect and they're on it. And, and, And then they also are willing to take a little bit of criticism when I've said, Hey, I'm not happy with this. They just take it. They don't argue with me. Right. You know, and and they say, okay, let's take a look at that. Okay. So what about you? That's great. I think your story is really important for people to hear.
1: My story is very different. So I am now on my second lawyer. So my first lawyer, when I hired them on, I didn't really get a good vibe from them. And our interview was over the phone, wasn't in person. And that should have kind of been like my first red flag. And the relationship there was... More and I don't think I told you this. They they told me that they were concerned that I was only after my my ex's money. Oh wow, you didn't tell me that. I didn't tell you that, and that oh I just remember that right now. What? Because my ex had cut me and our four children off completely financially, and I was supporting me and my four kids completely by myself with zero income, and the paralegal actually told me that it sounded like I was the most concerned about money and not so much anything else. Oh,
0: my gosh. Of course, you're concerned about money. How can you take care of kids without money? How do you live? I mean, that's insane.
1: I totally forgot to tell you about that. Oh (laughs) my
0: gosh. I didn't think I could get more mind blown by those guys. I
1: know. I know. So I didn't have a very good relationship with the lawyer or with the paralegal. And every time I would call in and ask questions, I just felt like the biggest inconvenience to them. And I was talked down to and... It wasn't until, like, it didn't feel good. I knew in my heart that it did not feel good and it did not feel right. But that was the only point of reference that I had. I had no other experience with any other lawyer. And I think that's where I made a really big mistake is that I did not interview multiple lawyers Mm. to get different vibes and to get a, a feeling for them and how they would work with me through the process. Yeah.
0: And that's a hard thing to do because lawyers are booked and they don't care.
1: Exactly. Oh, and so this lawyer, I had to schedule the interview with him a week out. So I was thinking, man, I, how many times am I going to have to do that? I'm just going to interview him and move forward with this yeah. process like I need to move forward. And another thing that I had an issue with is because I, I was in an abusive marriage. I had requested my lawyer to file a DVRO, which is a domestic violence restraining order, and they would not. And because they failed to do so, now my second lawyer who wanted to proceed with that didn't feel comfortable doing so because too much time had lapsed.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that as we kind of end this first episode, it, it's hard because I could seriously talk forever. There's so many things coming to my mind as you right. said that, that I want people to know and I want them to hear. But yeah. I think that this is a good place to end this podcast. But I, I want to summarize this. When you're looking for a lawyer and the divorce is, first of all, get a lawyer. Number one. Uh, unless, <laughs> you know, you're you're getting divorced. Unless you're it's all, excuse my language, shits and giggles. It, it, it's kind of, it's a divorce. It's talking no. off. It is contentious. You get a lawyer.
1: You get to see the ugliest side of uh, your yes. ex, yeah. and protect yourself. Yeah.
0: And so, and you're not just protecting yourself; you're protecting kids. And yes. so, because I'm speaking to families with kids, right? You get a lawyer, and then you, you, and then you hope for the best. But the lawyer should be somebody that you connect with, somebody who's not blowing smoke and telling you you're going to get everything you want, right? And then somebody who's kind and understanding, and somebody who takes feedback. Right. Because I, I, the the most important lesson I've learned is that family court is not criminal court. Yeah. Family court is a whole nother monster. And quite frankly, except for extreme case except for extreme cases, the story doesn't matter. Most of it is mathematical anyways. Yep. So much money is wasted through lawyers fighting for things that the judge doesn't care about. Right. And that's a hard pill for me to swallow, and my lawyer told me that over and over again. And so she wouldn't let me go for things.
1: Right. And
0: it's not an emotional process. No, it's a very mathematical.
1: Right. Well, it's
0: emotional on our end. Right.
1: How they make those decisions, how they make those orders,
0: it's very mathematical. Yes. And I hate so until recently I hated the process. I still hate the process. However, I think I'm seeing a little bit of rhyme and reason, but that might just be because this week you and I had huge wins and (laughs) both our our judges see our exes as being the crazy ones. And we think, and so, but, but I really do think that I'm starting to see that there's a mathematics to it. It is the lawyers who are not honest, and uninterested in taking care of the kids that right. that are kind of making the system seem crazy.
1: Right. And I think to go about finding that that just right lawyer for you, interview, interview, interview. Yeah, I like that. Do not feel rushed to choose somebody. Good. Really find somebody who is going to make you feel okay asking your questions and Make you feel like you matter. Yes. And they care. You can't interview enough lawyers. And it is a very long term relationship that you're going to have with that
0: person. Yes. It is a long, long term relationship, most likely. Well, I am excited to just have this podcast as an outlet, as education for other people. I think we're going to learn a lot. And most of all, anybody who's listening right now, you are not alone. You, there are people out there for you to connect to. So don't do it alone. I, I don't, you know, there's divorce care groups out there. Some of those are good, some of them are bad. But a lot of the pressure to stay silent comes from people's being uncomfortable or not wanting to hear the anger and the emotions. Find people in your life that can hear you tell the same story over and over again. Find somebody like we found who will walk alongside you because it's not going to help for you to feel crazy and alone.
1: It's true. We hope you feel encouraged by this.